Like I said, if you have your Bibles, turn to James chapter 1. Um, we are, uh, I, I'm going to jump back into verses 16 through 18 really quick. I know that was last week's passage, but, but I just want to dip back into there. I want to remind you where we were. So James is encouraging um, brothers and sisters in Christ as they go through trials, as they go through storms. Uh, he says in, in verse 16, don't be deceived. Right? And he, he, he reminds us of God's goodness. And if you've been walking with God for even a short amount of time, I'm sure you have come to recognize how critical it is that we, we know God is good, right? Even in the midst of a storm, even, even when you can't tell which way is up and which way is down, we, we gotta know, we gotta believe, we gotta trust that God is good. So he, he goes to the macro and he says, every good, every perfect gift is from God. And then he zooms in to the micro, verse 18, of our, of our own salvation. He says in verse 18, of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth, right? That we, we should be a kind of first fruits uh, of his creatures. So this, this brought us forth. He's writing here about uh, new birth. And you, you may have heard uh, or you may remember in John 3, uh, Jesus, uh, he, he has this conversation with this religious leader named Nicodemus. Um, and Nicodemus, is, he's asking about the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus says, oh man, you, you got to be born again to enter the kingdom of heaven. Uh, and he's describing this, this salvation, that, that it's, it's so radical. It's this transformation. The only way to describe it is this new birth. Right? So it's not, uh, Christianity isn't just this shift in your thinking. It, it's not a shift in, in philosophy. It's not even just beefing up your morals, but it's this complete transformation. Jesus tells Nicodemus, he says, it's a work of the Spirit. Right? In other words, it's not something that, that we can just bring about in ourselves, right? that we can intellectually like ascend to this place and, and, and now we're a Christian. No, it's, it's, it's this rebirth that's brought about by the Holy Spirit. So James, why, why are you talking about rebirth here? Well, throughout this book and, and even just that song uh, that, that we, we sang, um, I just want to be like him. Like James is, is calling us to live out our faith, right? So, so that our, our beliefs and, and, and how we live, that there would be this congruency, right? That, that we wouldn't say one thing and, and live another way. And so pretty close to the beginning of the book here, we're confronted with this question, man, Am I different? Like, have I, have I experienced this new birth? Am I born again? Has there been this, this transformation in me that really can only be attributed to the work of, of God's Spirit changing me, right? So that people that, that knew you before Christ, right, they, they see you maybe, maybe a couple of years later, maybe decades later, and, and go, man, it, it's like they're a totally different person, Right? Not, not, not just they've aged and, and changed a little bit, but, but, but man, something's happened in them that, that doesn't make sense. Right? Like I, I can't explain why that person is different, but man, we know it's because of, of Jesus. Right? This is a change that happens when we turn from our sin, from ourself, and we turn to Christ. And God continues that, that growth in us. Right? He continues. We call it sanctification. He's continuing to grow us throughout our lives. 
In verse 18, he says that this new birth, it, it happened by the word, right? God's word in, in us. And James will continue in helping us understand this relationship that is critical for the believer with the word. In verses 19 through 21 today, we'll, we'll look at, uh, he tells us we've got to accept the word with humility. And then in 22 through 27, he, he tells us that we've got to live this word out, right? That we, we do the word, that our faith is accompanied by action. So verse 19, know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Right? Being quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. These are good things uh, for relationships with one another. Right? How much better would, would our world be? How much better would, would our country be if everyone wanted to hear and, and understand one another? If everyone was slow before they actually started talking, um, if it took us a long time to be angry. In fact, what if it was only Christians that lived that way? Like even, even just that, if all Christians really lived that way, man, our, our world would be different. Our country would be different, right? And, and I've, like you, uh, so many of you raise your hands about the, the number of times you've done a James Bible study before, or maybe you've, you've uh, sat in on a series on James before. I, I know I've taught this before, and I've taught about how critical it is that, that we have a good relationship. So we're, we're man, we want to listen. We want to be slow to speak and, and slow to become angry. But, man, I've missed the context here that James gives us. Right? The, the context of this, James is talking about our relationship, our posture towards the word. And yes, in our relationships, man, great principles to live by, but he's talking about scripture here. And we think about the early church. And again, if you haven't been with us, uh, the letter, uh, the book of James, this letter, it's probably the, the first letter uh, that was written in the New Testament, right? So as, as, as this is being passed around, this is the first, this is the first letter uh, of Scripture, um, the New Testament that they have. So it's being passed from church to church, right? And there, I'm sure there are copies that were being made, but it's not like each Christian has their own copy, right? When it, it, when it gets to their church, there's one copy, Someone stands up and they read it, right? How critical it is then that they be a good listener. So this is their first duty that, that James gives, gives is, is to be quick to listen, right? Nearly all gospel communication was oral. So listening wasn't one of like many options. It was the option. So to be quick to listen to God's word was absolutely critical, Right? And those who weren't disciplined listeners couldn't just go back and catch the podcast later or, or watch again on YouTube. Right? If they missed it, they, they ran the risk of spiritual malnourishment. So the ready listener was the one intent on soaking up God's word and gaining that spiritual nourishment. Now, we aren't first century Christians, but we know it can be hard to listen. My guess is many of us, if we're honest, would say we're, we're not that good of a listener or, or maybe we're okay at it at best. Uh, a speaker addressing uh, students at Princeton opened by saying, uh, I understand that I'm here to speak and you are here to listen. Let's hope that we both finish at the same time. I'm like, oh. <laughs> yeah, we, we just, we stink at listening. Uh, we're not great listeners and, and part of that's, probably because of our short attention span. We, we talked about that last week and how media has impacted us. I think about how much noise distracts me from listening. 
There, there's so much noise that, that we can turn on, and I mean literal noise. Um, if I'm not careful, I can have noise going in my ears all day long. I love the learning that's available through podcasts, and I love it so much that I listen at double speed just so I can take in as much as possible. And there's arguments to be made both ways, don't judge me. Um, but I just, sometimes I just listen to podcast after podcast after podcast and about all kinds of things. I don't think it's all like Christian stuff. So it's totally stupid. Um, but but I, I love, I love learning. And if I'm not careful, um, I, I could, I could, I could spend most of my day with, with this noise in my ears, right? Like if I'm, if, when I'm driving, I'll, I'll listen to a podcast. When I'm cleaning the garage, um, when I'm washing dishes, like if nobody's around, I'll listen to a podcast. And, and, and the problem with it is it, it can be pretty distracting for me, right? It doesn't give me that space to slow down and, and listen to the Lord. Um, my mind isn't still enough to meditate on, on Scripture, whether it's what I read earlier that day or, or a sermon I listened to. Um, I, I don't even have the space to pray because I've got this noise going on in my ears. And maybe for you, it isn't a podcast. Um, maybe it's music, and it, and it could be great music, right? It could be music uh, about the Lord even. Or, or, or maybe when you're home, you just always have the TV on, even if you're not actually watching it, but just that there's something about that noise that so many of us like, and our, our lives can be just filled with noise. Uh, C.S. Lewis wrote a book called Screwtape Letters. I don't know if you've read it, but basically it's this it's like senior level uh, demon writing to this demon in training who, who's got like the, these humans assigned to him and he's, and he's helping him know like, okay, this is, how, this is how you keep them from God. This is how you distract this, this person from, from, from knowing God, from loving God, from following God. And, and one of the strategies is noise. Man, fill their lives up with noise so they, so they don't have the time. They don't take the time to be with Jesus, just, just hear from him, to just meditate on his word. So I wonder, does noise keep you from listening to God's word? Or, or another challenge is the busyness of our lives. Uh, I don't know if any of you this week, when you were asked the question, how are you today? Did you respond with, oh, I'm just so busy. Like, they, like that's become normal for us when someone asks, how are you doing? And, and generally when I say that, like I'm talking about like emotionally and, 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 and someone responds, oh, I'm just, I'm so busy. And, and that's such a normal response for us. But we, man, we pack our days out. Is your calendar too packed to hear from the Lord? While I uh, never want to live through a pandemic again, um, the good moment was my calendar suddenly being bare for a while. And at first I didn't know what to do with it, right? Everyone like started hobbies, people started jogging and baking and we couldn't find flour everywhere. And, um, but uh, man, after a while I'm like, this is actually pretty great to not have something on our calendar every night of the week. And if you have kids, like there's so many options, things for your kids to do good things. And we just tend to fill it up. And it wouldn't be good to live that way forever, right? Have a completely empty calendar. But it did make me wonder, man, do I, do I just schedule too much, right? Do we have time to be with Jesus the way our calendar is? Is there room for you to sit at Jesus' feet and listen? Your mind not rushing off to the next event that you've got to get to. I was thinking about it. We, we probably 
uh, treat a first date better than we treat Jesus. Uh, if, you were, if you were to go on a first date, uh, hopefully you'd be smart enough to put your phone away and ignore the notifications and the banners and, and, and the, the news and everything that's coming at you. Now, I dated before cell phones, or I mean, cell phones existed, but not everyone had one, and they certainly weren't, uh, they weren't smartphones. Um, and I was smart enough to look my wife, Lindsay, in the eyes, and, and I listened to her. And as she told me a story, I, I would lean in, and, and I would smile and nod, and, and I'd, I'd ask questions, and, and I was engaged, and, and on those early dates, like, if there was, like, a, a TV in the, the restaurant that we went to, and especially if it had sports on it, you better believe I put my back to that TV, <laughs> right, because I did not want to get distracted, or the problem was I did want to get distracted, and I knew I, I, couldn't, I couldn't handle it, and how distracted have you been lately in your time with Jesus, we, we all get distracted, right? Every one of us has, has if, you've, if you've spent time like trying to do devotions, right? Just spend time with the Lord in the word. Every one of us knows what it's like for your mind to wander. Next time your mind wanders and, and you can't seem to stop it, maybe close your Bible and just start talking to God about that. Just pray about that. Because I usually realize that it's something I'm, I'm pretty consumed with. Maybe something that I'm worried about. And what I find is God graciously meets me in that and, and calls me to trust him with that situation. Right? The Holy Spirit reminds me of truth from the word. He guides me in truth, teaches me. But man, so often uh, I'm so busy that I find myself just trying to push through, right? So I can check off this, this little spiritual uh, checklist. So how good are you at slowing down enough to let the Holy Spirit guide you and teach you? Uh, we're not great at, at living out Psalm 4610, be still and know that I'm God. I, I gave you a prayer from scripture last week that I said it's so short, I think you can memorize it, right? Well, not I think, you can memorize it. I don't know if anybody remembers it, but it's, it's from Mark 9. I believe, help me in my unbelief. Here, here's two other short prayers from scripture along these lines. One's from uh, Samuel, it's 1 Samuel 3.10. The Lord's, the Lord's calling out Samuel's name and, and, and Samuel responds with, speak for your servant hears. Or Psalm 119, 18. This is, uh, this is I, I, I pray this probably not all the time I read uh, before I read scripture, but, but very, very often. Open my eyes so I can see the wonderful truths in your law. Or it, it, it says, uh, if you pull up Psalm 119 there, I think we got it. Next slide, no? Maybe? There we go. So I memorized it in a different translation, but open my eyes that I may behold the, the wonderful things out of your law, right? Like I'm, I'm, I'm asking God, will, will you help me? Will you help me to see? Will you help me to see what is in your word? We've got to be good listeners as we come to the word. He tells us to be slow to speak. And, and you've heard probably that saying that, that we have two ears and one mouth. So let's spend twice as much time listening uh, as we do talking. I think one of the, the Stoic philosophers said that, but I, I actually like what uh, some of the rabbis said even better. They said, this is the reason why we have two ears and only one mouth, that we may hear more and speak less. They, they observed the ears are always open ever ready to receive instruction, but the tongue is surrounded with a double row of teeth to hedge it in and keep it within its proper bounds. I'm like, oh, 
that is, that is a great observation. <laughs> you think, yeah, that's good. Um, and and we'll, get, we'll get more into our speech. James, James brings, brings home the, 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 the danger, the challenges of, of our speech, of our words in, in James chapter three. Um, but our natural tendency with people and with God's word, it's, it's quite the opposite, right? We, we tend to be slow to hear and quick to speak. And when we come to scripture thinking that, that we, we're pretty wise, that, that we, we know a lot of things, what we find ourselves doing is, is filtering the word through, through ourselves, through our experience, through our, our knowledge, through our, our preferences, our, our view of the world. And, and James and the rest of scripture says, no, you need to flip that over. No, filter, filter our, our view, our, our, our knowledge, our experiences, our preferences, filter that through God's word and see what comes out the other side. The third of James' triplet of commands is being slow to anger. And we know that anger in and of itself is not sin, right? We see, we see God angry in, in scripture at times. We, we see Jesus, right, uh, getting out the whip and he's, he's angry. Uh, there is an anger uh, that, that, is, that is holy and, and, and righteous. Uh, anger at, at its root is because of perceived injustice, right? So someone wrongs you or, or you see uh, someone else wronged and what you want to do is you want to come to their defense, right? So sometimes, yes, there's, there's a holy, righteous anger, but a lot of times it's not. All right, how often is our anger rooted in pride, right? How dare they treat me that way? Do they know who I am? Do they know what I have done? Right? We feel wronged and we, we justify angry uh, retaliation. And, and really, all, all three of these are connected to pride. Right? When do you not listen well? Right? When are you quick to speak? Well, for me, it's when I'm convinced I know better. I know better than this other person that I'm supposedly having a conversation with. But when in life are you quick to listen and slow to speak? Well, for me, it's it's when I don't know the answers. It's when I need help, right? So when I take my, my kid to the doctor because something's going on that, you know, Google and, and WebMD like, can't help me figure out, I go to the doctor and, and I, I'm, I'm like, here, here are the symptoms and I'm all ears. I, I wanna hear what they have to say. I, I'm listening to their questions and I, I'm responding when they ask, but for the most part, I'm just listening because I know that, 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 that they are, I'm hoping that they know uh, what I need to know in this situation. When I think I know the answer, I'm a terrible listener. I'm incredibly impatient. When I'm convinced that I know better than the other person, it's really hard to hold my tongue. Our pride, our pride just gets in the way. Of, of how we come not just to people, but to God's word. So we're to come with humility. He, he commands these brothers and sisters in Christ, let God's word speak to you. Verse 20, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God, right? And that, that's what we would want as brothers and sisters. We want the righteousness of God. Verse 21, therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness or humility the implanted word which is able to save your soul. So verse 21, we have a, a negative command and a positive command. Get rid of the filth, get rid of the wickedness and it, it, like clean, clean house spiritually and receive the word with meekness, right? Come to the word with humility. God's word humbles us. 
Do you come to Scripture humbly? If not, you'll come at God's Word with your agenda, with your wisdom. You're going to tell the Word how it is. It's so interesting. James, he he says, get get rid of this evil. Accept the Word that's implanted in you. Right? And this Word implanted, I think it's the only time that, that it comes up in the New Testament. And it's, it's just so interesting, the, the, the concept that, that God puts his word in us, right? He puts this, this knowing of God in us, this understanding of the gospel, this understanding of the condition of our heart, right? This understanding of our great need for God to save us, this understanding of his great love for us, this, this, this recognition that, yeah, we needed Jesus to die on the cross, Right, this understanding that there's, there's no one like him. He implants that in us. Right, normally, if I, if I want to know something, if I want to learn something now, I'll, I'll Google it. Right? I was having this electrical issue in my home a couple weeks ago. So I Googled it and I'm reading all these articles and I'm watching videos. And, and so I, I'm trying to gain this knowledge that's from the outside. Right? It's knowledge that I don't have naturally. But this, what James is saying here is different. God implants it into us, right? It, it, it becomes, it's a part of us. It's woven into the very fabric of who we are because God put it there. He implanted it there. And God's word is absolutely amazing, right? Hebrews describes it as living and active, right? It says it's, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. God's word is, is unlike anything we know. This, this book doesn't change, but no matter No matter how much I grow and change, this book continues to speak to me, right? Not just intellectually, but but at the core of who I am, right? So you read it, you hear it taught, and and I'm sure you've experienced this. You hear it taught, you read it, and and you you think, man, how does this book understand me so well? How, How does this book understand me better than I understand myself? And it's just... It's crazy to me that the, the, the decades of, of me following Jesus, no matter how old I get, as, as, I, as I mature, man, this, this book continues to speak to me. It, it rattles who I am in, in very appropriate, necessary ways, right? It, it chips away at me. It, 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 uh, it edits. It, it edits how I'm, I'm not like Christ and, and, and exposes that. And it segues into, into verse 22 here. This is what he wants of us. If we're, if we're listeners, he says, but be doers of the word, not only hearers deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. Right? So it's not, that, it's not just that we hear and, and accept God's word, agreeing that it's good, that it's true, that it's right. James says, you gotta do it. You, you, gotta, you gotta live it out. There's, there's action. If we agree but don't act upon it, we're deceiving ourselves. We're lying to ourselves. And this picture he gives us is so helpful. This person walks up to the mirror, right? And this, this step is key, right? They, they go to the mirror. This is hearing, right? This is the hearing part of the simile. It's a crucial step to come and look to the mirror. And, and, and so often this is, what, this is what Scripture does. It, it holds up this mirror to us so that we can 
see ourselves, right? We can see like, oh, gosh, I'm selfish, right? Or we can see like, man, I, I don't, I don't want to gossip, and yet I continue to gossip, and I can see how destructive it is, or, or whatever it is we see in the mirror, we, we're able to see clearly, right? Because the reality is we're really good at, at distorting what we see in ourselves. I heard a story of a missionary uh, out in the bush. He had a, a small mirror that he put up on a tree so that he could see as he shaved, and a witch doctor uh, walked by. And, uh, and out of curiosity, she looked into the mirror and she sees her, her just hideously painted face and she jumps back in, in horror. And she immediately begins uh, trying to negotiate with the missionary to buy it from him. And, and he realizes, like, man, she really wants this. So he just gives it to her. And, and she takes the mirror, she throws it on the ground and smashes it to pieces and said, there, now it won't be making ugly faces at me anymore. Man, we don't want to be like that coming to the mirror that Scripture is. You know, we have the propensity to not really see who we are. We need that mirror to truly see ourselves. And not only do we see ourselves in that mirror, but as we gaze in that mirror, we see God. Right? We come to see Him, and, and, and we see Him more and more clearly the longer we look into Scripture. So this is great, and this is critical, but, but James is saying the danger is that we would only see, right? That, that we would see and like filling up with, with, with Bible knowledge or, or even better understanding of ourselves, right? That, that isn't the goal, right? The goal is to, to know God, right? To be in this relationship with God, to, to follow him. Verse 23, we, we come to the word and it says we're looking intently, right? We're, we're looking with this intense scrutiny. So it's not just this passing glance, it's this, search me, O God, know my heart, try me and know my thoughts. See if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. That's, that's the kind of gazing we're doing into this mirror. We're saying, God, will you change me? Will you grow me? Right? Don't let me stay the same. That kind of scrutiny. But the problem is, verse 24, they look intensely and then they walk away. Right? It's like they have the mirror and they're just done with the mirror. And, and they forget. And maybe you're getting old enough where you wouldn't mind if you could just go to the mirror, walk away, and then forget what you look like. But spiritually speaking, that would be devastating for you, right? That, that would not be good. If we come to God's word and we just take a, a, a quick glance, what's the point? Or, or even if we look for a, a long, long time, but then nothing changes, what is the point? We can come to our Bibles and it's, it just becomes this checklist item. And every, every Christian I've ever talked to, we all struggle with that. We can all make our Bible reading just this spiritual checklist, right? So we, we can feel like we did something today with really little or even zero intention of meeting with God, right? Not, not actually coming to, to hear from the Lord. Right? And, and allowing him to change us and, and asking him, how do you want me to change? How are you calling me to grow? How, how are you trying to shape me? Right, Because we're participants in this changing of us that God is doing. He, he invites us into it. So our, our obedience is part of this, this partnership, this relationship. When, you, uh, when you're doing your Bible reading and, and, and you stop reading, right? Like physically you've stopped reading, is that... Is that when your time with God ends? 
Uh, I, I've coached um, my boys in soccer for, uh, for many, many years, and I'm not the best coach at all. Um, but one aspect of the game that I've worked on with my teams for years is not taking mental breaks in soccer. Um, and and what, you'll, what you'll see, if you go watch a kid's game or even adults, um, when the ball goes out of bounds, naturally our brain just goes, oh, we're not playing right now. The clock's still ticking, right? The game is still going. So I worked with my boys to not take mental breaks there, right? That, that we would capitalize on the other team taking a break. So the ball would go out of bounds. We would throw the ball in before they had a clue what was going on. And in fact, we coached our boys to, they knew where to throw the ball, even though our players weren't there yet. And our players knew where to run onto the ball. And we scored a ton of goals, not because we were good, right? We were, we were usually not that good. Um, but but we, we didn't take the same mental breaks that these other teams did. When you close your Bible, does your mind and heart stop thinking about what God's word has said to you, right? When the, when the sermon is over, you drive away from church, do you stop mulling over God's word? Now, obviously, as a preacher, uh, any preacher does well to help with application. And, and part, of, part of a preacher giving application is just even helping you imagine like, okay, may, maybe these are some of the ways that, that God might be stirring in you that you could apply this to your life. But, but no preacher uh, can, can give every single application. Right? This is part of, of us looking at God's word intently, wrestling with it and saying, God, okay, like, what, are you, what are you calling me to? Paul writes to um, believers that, that, that have been with Jesus, walking with Jesus for, for a while, older believers that should have been mature. And, and he says, spiritually, you're still drinking milk. Right? You should be eating meat. Right? You're no baby. You have teeth, and yet you're still calling for mama to give you milk. Man, you need to pick up a knife and cut your steak. Right? Eat some spiritual meat. Our time in the Word shouldn't end when we close our Bible or when the sermon's over and we drive away from church. We need to continue to feast. Right? We need to continue to think and, and pray and meditate and just ruminate in God's word, saturating ourselves in this truth that he has given us right? so that, that we, we can grow, asking him like, okay, Lord, I, I think I get this thing that, that you're teaching me here. How do I grow now? What do I, what do, I do? How do I, how do I change? I know the pastor didn't say application today that, that, that fit me, Lord, but I know you have application for me. And, and you wrestle with the spirit as he, as he leads you because we want to be verse 25 people. And it says, but the one who looks uh, into the perfect law, the law of liberty and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing, right? That perseverance is what I'm talking about. It, it isn't uh, this laziness coming to God's word. No, they hear, right? They, they hear well. And, and you think about a good hearer, man, a, a good hearer asks questions, right? So like, man, okay, what is, what is brought forth mean? Oh, is that, is that like, is that like John 3 and Nicodemus and, and, and being born again? Or, 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 or they, they hear God's word and, and they're, they're mulling over and they're, they're, they're rephrasing it, they're, they're repeating it back in their own words to clarify, right? And, and, and James tells us, man, those people, those are the ones that they're doers. They've heard and they, they keep going. They don't stop at listening. Are you a doer of God's word? As a, as a church, are we, are, we, are we doers of God's word, both, both individually and collectively? 
right? And, and one of the ways we need to grow as a church is, is outreach, right? We need to grow in our outreach to our community. We, we uh, I mean, I, I think we've become too self-focused. I think we're, we're pretty good at loving each other, right? There's always room for growth there, but, but I think we're good at that. What we need to grow in, or one way we need to grow is reaching our community, right? Which is something that leadership, we're, we're seeking the Lord and like, okay, Lord, help us, help us, help us to do this. James says the, the perfect law of liberty, and he's just, he's expanding on these descriptions of the word in, in 118, 121, 122. Uh, and this, this perfect law of liberty encompasses obviously the, the entire Old Testament scripture, but, but this word perfect, I think that clues us into, this includes what Christ taught, right? The gospel. And, and we remember that Jesus was the fulfillment of the law. So no wonder James has confidence saying this is the perfect law of liberty, the word radiates, as one author put it, radiates liberating power. So as we stare into this, this mirror and we see the state of our own souls, we recognize our imperfect condition. We have this poorness of spirit that James references. And that is what becomes clearer and clearer as we look intently into the word. We never outgrow being poor in spirit. And it's our poorness in spirit that helps us see our great need for the gospel. We recognize our spiritual deadness. We recognize our need, uh, that we needed Jesus to pay for our sins, right? That, that, and that brings us to confess that he is Lord. And it's the good news that sets us free so that we're no longer slaves to sin, but we're, we're, we're as scripture says, we're slaves to righteousness, which is true liberty. And in that liberty, we're free to obey Jesus, Right? This is what our doing is sourced from. It's, it's from, uh, it's from our, our love for Christ who first loved us. So we just cannot wait. We can't wait to follow him. We can't wait to obey him, right? To not just be hearers of the word, but actually do the word, to live it out. And as we hear God's word and we gain knowledge, we obey, we do, right? There's action to our faith. So when's the last the last time that action stemmed from your faith, right? God spoke, you heard, and, and you did something about it. You, you responded to, to this, this stirring, this conviction. There was a response because real biblical knowledge demands action. And, and there's impact. There's an impact when we, when we don't do Right? When we've been given spiritual instruction, right, from looking in the mirror, right, looking into the word, and there's no action, there's an impact, a negative impact on our spiritual health. It forms this, this callus, right? So that sensitivity to respond diminishes. It gets easier and easier for us to, to ignore God's word or to use the callus illustration. It gets harder and harder to be sensitive to God's word, to have spiritual health and vitality. In Matthew 13, the disciples asked Jesus, like, why do you talk in parables all the time? Like, what is, what's the point? What's that about? And his answer had to do with the hard hearts of the religious leaders, right? Who over and over again, they, they were not responding to the revelations that God had given them. And he says this in Matthew 13, 13. This is why I speak to them in parables. Because seeing, they do not see. And hearing, they do not hear, nor do they understand. Pastor Kent Hughes said, truth acted on brings more truth but failure to respond to truth will result in the loss of truth. You might remember the parable of the talents. These three employees were, 
We're given talents, they're given money. And, and, and uh, while the boss leaves, like they were, to, they were to take care of it. And the goal was that they would even grow that money. Uh, but one of them just buries it in the ground. They're afraid. And, and, and the, the boss comes back and he's, he's not happy. He says in uh, Matthew 25, 28, he says, so take the talent from him and give it to the one who has 10 talents, the one that invested and, and made even more. Uh, verse 29, for to everyone who has more will be given and he will, he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. If we want spiritual health, we've got to apply what we hear. So a valid question is, have you really heard if you have not done, right? If you haven't acted upon it, right? We don't want to let God stir our hearts in our time in the word or a sermon or as we sing a song about him without asking, okay, God, is there something you're calling me to hear? Right? Is there an action that you're calling me to? Right? As the Holy Spirit pings your heart, right? brings conviction, right? don't stop at realizing, oh, that, that is not God's way. No, we need to ask, how do you want me to respond? Right? Even if it's small, or, or maybe it'll be big, and, and maybe it'll seem really scary, but we, we want to take these steps in faith. And when we respond, which does take faith, God gives even more. James ends verse 25 saying that a person that lives this way will be blessed, right? And this word blessed is thrown around a lot right now in, in our culture. Uh, and we can talk about ways that we're materially blessed and, and that, that can be true. But, but the biblical writers, they're talking about something so much more than that, right? It's this, being blessed is this deep soul satisfaction, right? That they're, that they're telling us, right? Material blessings can come and go, um, but, but man, God blesses us deep within. So we don't only, only want to be hearers of the word, we want to be doers. And James, he, he, he goes on to warn us. He warns us about, about acting, but, but still that, that we can have uh, the, the, this false religion. Verse, verse 26, he says, if anyone thinks he's religious and does not bridle his tongue, he deceives himself, or, but deceives his heart. This person's religion is worthless. And again, we'll, we'll talk more about the tongue in, in, uh, in a few weeks here, but the tongue exposes, if, or can expose if your religiosity is true or not. Right? The reality is that we can have outward actions that, that look the part of true religion and, and yet it can just be an act, right? Maybe it didn't start as an act, but over time it, it's, it slipped into this act as we kind of put this spiritual cruise control on. James says, don't fool yourselves, right? Yes, be, be doers uh, of the word, but don't let your doing fool yourself. Your tongue exposes who you really are. And, and then he says in verse 27, we got to care for those in need, right? Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is, is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction, to keep oneself unstained from the world. Right? These orphans and widows, they're the most helpless in their society. Right? But as use of orphan and widow, it represents, it represents everyone with need. And we, we see this throughout Scripture, that, that, that God's people are to, to help those who are in need. First um, John three seventeen and eighteen says, but if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? And then eighteen says, little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. And then the third focus he says is to keep ourselves unstained from the world. And, and, and spiritually speaking, man, the world's just getting more and more polluted. 
And my, my suspicion is, my conviction is that, that we are getting more and more desensitized to it, right? I take just, just entertainment, for example, right? The, the things we watch, the things we listen to, the things we, we read or whatever it is that, that we, we, uh, we take as entertainment. I, I, wonder, I wonder if we're keeping unstained there or if more and more we're letting ourselves get, get more and more stained by this world, right? How much have we been desensitized? James, he wants believers to live like, like they've truly been transformed, right? Like, like, like they've, they're really born again, transformed by the good news. So are we continuing to be transformed, right? Do we come to the word as humble listeners that are ready to respond? Let's pray together. Jesus, we, uh, we thank you for your word, God, we don't want to waste it. My guess is every person in this room would say that, that they don't just want to be someone that, that, that hears your word, that, that reads your word, and then does nothing. Lord, we, we, we want, Lord, we're asking for your word to, to change us, to change us so much so that we actually are responsive to you, Holy Spirit. God, would we not be uh, a, a church? Would we not be individuals that just idly sit on our hands, but would we be people that, that are ready to go where you say to go, to do what you command us to do, Lord. We love you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen.